Welcome back to Round Guy Radio, and we're talking rankings with Scotty Melvin. We started this show last week, and it was uh, so popular. It was the 10th most popular episode we ever did when uh, all the chips were counted. Uh, you've been on a streak, Scotty. You also had last Saturday morning shows the sixth most uh, rated, highest rated episode we ever did. Uh, welcome back, uh, and I mean it this time. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> I think it speaks to the communities we have and how fortunate we are down here in Southeast Iowa. These these folks are excited about their kids and their football teams. And, you know, that's what we've been talking about. And people want to hear about it. Well, uh, you were on a YouTube yesterday created by uh, the Columbus students. Could you uh, speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I was uh, I was at work. I was sitting down for my lunch break and uh, Coach Telly over there at Columbus, he uh, commented at me on, on Twitter and said, you made the cut. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what, what he means. I was at the game, so I thought, I remember being in the group there at the end. I had to run up, say hi to Raul Amagon and then meet his son real quick. And I uh, thought maybe somebody was filming something, caught me on camera. So I sit down and start playing the video, the newest episode for the uh, Columbus Wildcat football team documentary series they're doing on the season. And... Uh, it's very well done. I, I can't believe how professional this uh, video series looks and sounds with what these kids are doing. But uh, yeah, all of a sudden my voice, I start hearing my voice and it's commentary from the game that uh, I was at the other night versus Lisbon um, from our podcast here. And, and I thought, hey, that's really cool. That's that's neat that they, they were able to edit that in over the, the video and the music. And uh, it sounded so good. I said, uh, yeah, they made me sound better than... <laughs> I could ever hope, and that uh, was very, very kind of them, and and uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it it, uh, it really made us here at Round Guy Radio super happy, and uh, the way they edited it in, it was just really yeah. awesome, wasn't it? And yeah, it really, I didn't even know it was me at first. It took me a few seconds. I'm like, wait a second, that sounds from that sounds like me. <laughs> and it was so. Uh, yeah, that the way they did it. Uh, so smooth everything they do and, and the winfield let me shout out winfield mount union because they got the same thing going on um they're doing a, a, a series as well and, and it's also very well done great video footage the, the music the way they edited it in uh interviewing the coaches and, and things like that's really cool yeah uh, i think it's called zero to a hundred yes zero to a hundred uh the columbus wildcat mm-hmm. uh, series and winfield mount unions is called tgif Oh, well, we'll have to check that out, too. Uh, yeah. So, well, anyway, uh, on to the rankings. Well, you, I'm going to start out with the one I don't like, uh, the Des Moines Register poll. It, it's, it's funny to see how these things progress from uh, the previews or, or the preseason rankings into the midseason rankings, which we could say we're at midseason now. Uh, some teams have five games in if they played week zero. The rest have four. And Des Moines Register, the only love we're getting in Southeast Iowa, Waco is ranked number four in eight player. That ranking doesn't bother me a bit. I got nothing to rant on about that, but I will say this. If you have a top 10 in 1A and a top 10 in Class A that does not include the Columbus Wildcats and then in 1A, the Minneapolis Bulldogs, I cannot take you very seriously right now. So that's my, that's my mini rant about that. So that's Des Moines Register. Um, earlier in the day is when the Radio Iowa poll came out, and I hadn't even seen that one yet. Had you seen that previous to yesterday? No, I had not. I don't even know so if I've seen I it yet. Don't know how I've missed it or whatever, but uh, I just happened to come across it because Columbus had uh, tweeted it out on their football page. And, uh, you know, great news there. We've got Mediapolis football debuting at number 10 in 1A, 
and the Columbus Wildcats making their debut in Class A at number nine. Uh, the Waco Warriors, number two and eight man. I didn't see any um, who's getting votes or anything like that in this particular poll, but I got to feel like there, we got a couple others sitting just outside in some other classes. Uh, so that was great to see. Finally, we see the Columbus Wildcats in there. They deserve it. They've earned it. Yes, I know it doesn't mean a ton, but I think especially for some of these schools that are up and comers that haven't had success for a while, it's something that's really going to lift them up. And uh, I enjoy seeing that for, for the Wildcats. So I'm moving on to the Cedar Rapids Gazette poll that came out just a little bit later. I'm going to scroll up and find it. Um, and here's one where I'm not going to rail on these guys too bad because uh, they do include who's getting votes. And, and uh, so you can, uh, uh, you know, see who's just sitting outside the top 10 or whatever, and at least getting some notice. Um, an eight player, the Waco Warriors ranked number two in the Cedar Rapids Gazette poll. In uh, class 1A, the Mediapolis Bulldogs are debuting at number 10. I like that. Uh, Columbus Wildcats are getting votes in class A. Not Like I said, I'm not going to rail on them for that. Uh, the Fort Madison uh, Bloodhounds are getting votes in 4A, which they were another one I thought, I think we both thought might be cracking into the top 10 due to their undefeated record and that huge win over Washington Friday. Um, but not quite yet. Um, they're sitting there close. And then uh, that'll get us to the last one, and this is the one I like the best, and that's the AP poll. Because they're really showing us some love down here in southeast Iowa, and I love it. I love every bit of it. <laughs> so Waco, the Warriors, ranked number two and eight player. Nothing unusual there. Columbus Wildcats busting into the top ten, ranked number seven in Class A in the AP poll. Mediapolis Bulldogs ranked seven in Class 1A. And the Mediapolis, I'm sorry, the Mid-Prairie Golden Hawks, they're getting some votes in 2A, so they're getting back to notice after uh, the big win over Eddyville, uh, Blakesburg Friday. Fort Madison and the Burlington Greyhounds getting some votes in 4A. So we're getting a lot of teams uh, in the AP poll that are turning some heads, and that's what I like to see. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, uh, I got some – is that all the polls? That's the polls. All right. Well, I'm going to shoot out some names, and it's going to kind of bounce back and forth between districts and stuff. But just to, Sorry. All right. Well, Southeast Warren, are they in the poll or not? I've seen them getting some votes, I believe, in the AP poll. Did they win last week, do you know? Or? Yes, they did. They had a they had a pretty easy game. Okay. Well, I think they're a team that, that we should consider. Uh, Moravia. Absolutely. Uh, I believe Moravia got some votes in one of the polls. New London. What's that? New London. New London. Have not seen them. You know, they got two losses, so they're probably not getting considered by anybody yet, but we both know that that's very potentially a top 10 team right there. Okay. What about Centerville? Uh, I believe uh, they got some votes in the AP poll as well, despite the big loss against uh, Sigourney Kyoto. Yeah, they're not, they're not off the radar yet. What about uh, Sigourney? Have not seen any votes for Sigourney Kyoto. I don't think um, when you're talking four weeks into the season, if, if you've got two losses, unless they were to, you know, top three teams in a class ahead of you, you're probably not going to crack the polls. Well, I'm not looking at records. I'm looking at teams that might be on the bubble for a top 10 team in the state. Uh, what about Burlington, Iowa? Burlington is getting votes in the AP poll, Class 4A, but that's the only one so far. Well, uh, and, uh, uh, well, you got any other ones you think that uh, 
around well, here. I, I'm right there with you on the ones you mentioned. Those are those are all teams that uh, you know we're only halfway through. As each week progresses, if those teams keep rolling up wins by the end of the season, you could very well see them in the top ten. I could see Sigourney Kyoto getting in there uh, this week against Pella Christian. <laughs> Huge game. They get this one. It might be next week when you see them starting to get some votes. Yeah, they could. You know, the the they were they're like number two, aren't they, fellow Christian? Uh, yeah, I believe they're number two. They're they're definitely top five in every single in every single poll uh, for Class One A. And like you said, it, you know, we're not looking at records, um, but I'm sure the voters do to a degree, and I I do understand that. But well, uh, Scott, we got a lot of listeners in the Linville Sully uh, area. Can you give me an update on uh, where they're ranked? Because I know, you know they, they're just an unbelievable team. I believe I've seen them ranked as high as two. I'm going to dig into the AP poll because it's the one I like the best. They're not; um, they're only ranked number five in, in the AP poll, but I've seen them ranked as high as number two in at least one of these other polls, and they're generally in um, in the top four. So honestly, the AP poll, which is my favorite right now today, <laughs> because of the love they're showing our teams down here, they um, they have them ranked lowest, and uh, you know. Obviously, the only so so somewhere between second and fifth in all the the different polls. Yeah, uh, to me, if you're you know if you're in the top five, it's hard to, and you're undefeated. It's hard to argue where your spot is because you talk about the top five teams in any class. So let's face it; they're all on the same level. You could rank any one of them one or five or anywhere in between. Yeah, they, they since they win by sixty or more every week. You know, it's really hard for us to get a a good matchup to talk about you know, that they play because they're just like on this other level, you know, but anyway, I did want to, I want to, you know, try to include them in, in, uh, some of our rankings and, uh, yeah, well, uh, what, so you told me you're working on a list of impact players, uh, through turnovers. Yeah. I I got kind of interested in that. I listened to, uh, you uh, talking about, uh, interceptions and things like that the other day uh, with coach Edeker and how many Waco, you know, turnovers Waco's uh, force this year um, kind of inspired me to dig into that. Who are the, who are the big turnover? Every single coach you interview talks about how big those are. If you ask them, what are the keys to victory? Take care of the ball, get some turnovers. I mean, it's, it's huge. And so I'm like, who are the players that are really impacting that individually? So I I went through varsity bound, checking the stats of every team we uh, look at in Southeast Iowa pretty good list um, of players doing some work and some that are from doing it from the linebacker spot that I kind of forgot to include my linebackers just a week ago. So this got kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to start with Waco because there are some individuals doing some work, but, and then there's some teams that are doing some work. In other words, there may not be anybody that's got a, a ton of uh, forced turnovers as an individual, but the team itself is, is uh going nuts with it, which can be huge to your win total, you know, and Waco is doing both. They've got, of course, last year's uh, state leader in interceptions, Mason Miller, and he's doing it again. But as a team, Waco has forced 16 turnovers so far. It's an insane number. Um, and Mason Miller is responsible for six of them. He's got five interceptions so far in the season and a fumble recovery. Loudon Housengay's got two interceptions. He returned one of those for a 60 yard touchdown. Your guy Colton Lichty, he's got an interception and uh, two fumble recoveries. And two that's, fumble that's, recoveries, you, that's you right. <laughs> yeah, you and Colton actually inspired this uh, this list that I've made up here because you talked about him uh, with last time you chatted with Coach Edeker about 
you know, how he's just got a nose for the ball and seems to be in the right place at the right time. And so between yeah, he's, that, he's me. Yeah. And I thought, man, we gotta, we gotta look into some of these kids that are doing that and, and give them some shout outs here. So that's what, what, that's what's responsible for inspiring this list. Um, so that's, that's the big guys for Waco so far. Go, going to move on to uh, Winfield Mount Union. And of course, our guy Cam Buffington, he's got a couple of interceptions on the year. What and about that Cooper Buffington? He gets his hands on a few. I'm getting to him because he was part of the inspiration for this as well. But uh, Cam returned both of his for touchdowns. So he's responsible for a couple of scores defensively. And that's big time. Cooper, his cousin, three interceptions and a fumble recovery from his linebacker spot, just a sophomore. He's doing a ton of work. Um, great offensive lineman as well. Um, yeah, I missed him on my, my list last week for linebackers. Of course, we got off track talking about some other things too, but, uh, he's doing a ton of work there. Very impressive. Um, two Buffingtons in a, in a linebacking core, very scary <laughs> for your opponents. Well, I get distracted easy. And so do I. It's, <laughs> I don't know if it's eight or what. <laughs> Jeff Hoback of the Columbus Wildcats. He's got an interception. You and just a can't stop talking about him. Spot. Say again. I said you just can't stop talking about him. He's on every list you got. He's everywhere. He's one of uh, only five key seniors on that Wildcat team, and he's making the most of his last year in high school uh, uh, in his last year playing for the Wildcats, and uh, I don't believe this young man's going to leave anything on that field this year. So I moved on to uh, Wapolo, Casey Short. Uh, I believe he plays quarterback on the offense. He has three interceptions. That's a good number. Um, he's doing some work in the defensive backfield. Joseph Coates of Pekin, two interceptions. Jackson Hutchison of Mediapolis, he's got three interceptions. Mid-Prairie, nine takeaways as a team. That's a big number. That, that kind of stood out. It's not quite on the level of Waco's, but, uh, you know, I don't think there's as many opportunities necessarily in 11-man as there is 8-man. So Mid-Prairie is kind of our 11-man uh, area team leader in that uh, sense as far as taking the ball away. Kane Brown, two interceptions. Kobe Hirschberger, two interceptions. And Colin Miller, two interceptions. So three guys. Three guys with uh, two interceptions. Yeah. So uh, don't throw their way uh, future opponents of Mid-Prairie Golden Hawks. Or do. I mean, that would be okay with me. Sigourney Kyoto, Evan Vitito. We've been talking about him since last season. He's one of those uh, defensive linemen that really stands out on the field, passes the eye test. He's got two fumble recoveries on the season. And you could put him up there with Colton Lichty as another one of those kids that just seems to be in position to make those kind of plays. It just If the ball's loose, it seems to find its way into his hands. Isaac Lett of Cardinal, two fumble recoveries. Central Lee's got a pair of kids doing some work uh, covering passes, you know, ball hawking. Corbin Porn, two fumble recoveries. Uh, Corey Jones, two interceptions, including one that he returned for a touchdown. So when I see that, that's uh, you're not only taking the ball away, but you're scoring points off of it. That's that's a big time boost to the team, and so I applaud that. Wyatt Wood, small, Mount Pleasant, he's got a pair of interceptions. We know all about him on the offensive side of the ball. He catches everything thrown his way. I would suggest you don't throw towards him when he's playing defense. Kaysen Evans of uh, Washington. This demon has two fumble recoveries, so he's doing work. They've got they've got a good defense again. If they can get that offense on track. They'll be uh they'll be back in the win column real soon. 
Uh, last but not least, uh, talking about 11-man football, here's our leader in takeaways. The Keokuk Chiefs, your, your team that you keep talking about how great they are on defense, but you are not wrong. 12 takeaways as a team. The oh. list was a mile long um, because the only guy that had more than one um, turnover, and that's kind of what I made my list off of, anybody that had more than one is Diego Garcia, and he was one of my preseason uh, picks as one of their top performers on offense, but here he is on defense. He's got a fumble recovery and a pair of interceptions. So Diego Garcia leading the way, but the Keokuk Chiefs as a team, 12 takeaways. That's why they're being as successful as they are, and I expect that to continue as their opponents are now going to be on their level the rest of the season. Yeah, they just just put some points on the board. That defense, uh, uh, and they've gone up against some big offenses too. Yeah, their their schedule has been pretty pretty rough, and they've survived it. You know, two and two heading into district play. Um, I expect them. You know, I didn't have them picked to do very well, but I didn't know a lot about them. And I, I think I was wrong about the Chiefs. I think they're going to do all right in this district play. Yeah. So that's my list of uh, the top kids in Southeast Iowa that are taking the ball away from the other team. And uh, those numbers are just going to keep growing. So we'll have to check back in on them later in the season, especially Mason Miller. I'm interested to see if he can uh, set some sort of record ball hawking for the Waco Warriors. Well, Scotty, I, I like this. This was exciting. Uh uh, you 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 never you never cease to uh, amaze me, and uh, what a good angle! And uh, I know our listeners are going to like this. Well, uh, anything else you want to uh, uh, talk about? I don't think I have anything right offhand, unless you can jog my memory of something we're missing. Um, I just want to reiterate: you, Coach Edeker, Colton Lichtian, Cooper Buffington inspired this list, well, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun to check into. Yeah, I'm going to start uh, talking to coaches this week about managing injuries. You know, you got players banged up. Everybody's got banged up players. Some of them are, say, 90% banged up. And some of them are 10% banged up. And I want to know how, what a coach has to do in the week to, to get them ready for that. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I haven't had you on the show since we passed the 10,000 listeners. Uh, so, uh, everybody that's listening, uh, you know, we've been trying to get to 10,000 listeners and, uh, we did it, uh, yesterday morning and, uh, we blew past it, uh, today at we're, uh, it's all because of Scott. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if I'd agree with that, but I appreciate <laughs> the, uh, the sentiment. <laughs> no, but you're, you know, everybody likes what you're saying. Everybody likes what you're doing. Uh, everybody likes the way you dig into it. And uh, another thing, um, listen, guys, uh, uh, here's kind of a Steve Pilchin, the round guy, uh, came back yesterday and he interviewed a, 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 a Bob Long, or we call him Shorty Long, uh, who played, uh, who was an umpire in Major League Baseball. And uh, he won, he's from Massachusetts, but he, he, uh, he did a lot in the American Association in AAA. So he was in Des Moines a lot. He, he established kind of a fondness for Iowa. And when we at, we were looking for someone who could speak on the official shortage, you know, we're a little short in football and we're short in basketball and we're severely short in baseball. Uh, it's a crisis level baseball. So he came on to rally some support uh, for uh, umpires and officials in Iowa. Uh, so we're trying to do a little bit of awareness of that. And if you want to give that a listen, and it's a really, really fun interview. And at the very end, he breaks out some uh, uh, 
a story of, of a game he umpired against the Iowa Cubs and the uh, uh, Omaha Royals that really turned into a Donnybrook. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting, uh, and it's, it's a worthwhile lead. And, uh, you know, Scott, you, you take a couple minutes and tell them, you know, how passionate you are about getting umpires for this next season and officials. Well, we've seen, and I've seen it in my home state of Illinois. I think they're in a, a more of a crisis situation than we are here in Iowa, but I don't, and that seems to be the case on a lot of things, but, um, I don't want to see that creep over here. And we did see it in the baseball season. I haven't uh, ran into that personally in football, but yeah, the, the baseball season, uh, I remember the first game I went to over in Winfield versus central Lee. Um, you know, it was one guy, he was, he had to do the whole thing. And I thought to myself, I sure hope no parents ride his butt on calls because this isn't even fair. He's, he's covering, how many, you know, there's got to be at least three for a high school game, I think, to make it covered adequately. Well, and he's sitting behind the plate doing it. You know, this guy, he's been a professional umpire since 1981, and he addresses that. He addresses right. the fans, and he talks about yep. how to handle it, you know. And, and especially when you guys got a young umpire, he says he, he, yeah. he's got, he, he's, you know, talks about building a support system around him, but, uh, He's got great stories, you know, great minor league stories, great major league stories, uh, uh, a lifetime and a career in baseball and a dedication to uh, umpiring that uh, uh, is nothing but to be admired, is it? I agree wholeheartedly. And I will say as a, as a young person, I was guilty of thinking that it was part of the show, part of the entertainment to, you know, to jump on the umpires and the referees during a game. And, and looking back on that, I see how wrong that thinking is because, those are guys out there that have, they know the rules better than I do. They study it. They, they work in it. Um, and they're trying to do their best and they are in perfect human beings. They're going to make mistakes and, uh, it's okay. Uh, it's better than not having them. And I tell you what, you will find out real quick how bad it is if there aren't any, because there won't be any games and your kid won't be playing. So it's like Scotty says, he says, uh, uh, you can't make the pitchers, Mom and dad happy and the batter's mom and dad happy on the same pitch. That's a fact. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, the 10,000 listeners is terrific. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, with Beat the Round Guy. Uh, we haven't even dug into what the teams are going to be yet, but uh, uh, it's uh, thanks for listening. We want to thank uh, Jefferson County Real Estate, Henshaw Trailer Sales, uh, Smithburg Auto of Fairfield, Iowa, Elsie's Kitchen.net, and uh, Christie's Journey, The Beat Goes On, a book written by John Bain of Wayland, Iowa. You can get that anywhere books are sold or on his Facebook page. Everybody, we're out. Thanks for listening.